And we are back in the studio after a long, too long hiatus. And you're joined today with special guests Vincenzo Santini and Benton Baker. Uh, Justice is blonde. It's still blonde, even though it's been gone a long, 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 long time. Um, so today we're going to be joined by Mr. Vincenzo Santini. Uh, he's a prosecutor for the Montgomery County District Attorney's Office, very hardworking, and just got off of a, a trial victory where he really showed up for the citizens of Montgomery County and especially a officer, Michael Chapman. And we're real excited to talk to him about that that victory and how hard that case was and, and his story. Um, additionally, we're also joined by local defense attorney Benton Baker, who's been here for at least two decades and has has <laughs> at least uh, at least <laughs> and has old. seen the changes not only in Montgomery County but but in the law and things that we now deal with that we that we didn't used to have to deal with when we were baby lawyers. Wait, are we going to have some sort of like debate? You know, like they do with like Quan LX and then like um, one of the radio hosts. It's going to be bald versus um, haired. Right. So, Ben, you're you're going to have to represent the bald in Absolutely. this in this scenario because it look justice least this, is bald. <laughs> justice is bald today. Justice is follically enhanced. In your case, for sure. <laughs> so, um, since the last show, I I will say that a lot of things have gone on with the country, Montgomery County. It's been real exciting in some areas, real sad and tragic in others. But when we started doing Justice is Blonde several years ago. It, it kind of began this disillusionment with law enforcement. It started with Ferguson, and that was going on, and Justice is Blonde, and we talked about that a lot. And interestingly enough, it's kind of come full circle where, you know, Mr. Santini was involved prosecuting um, somebody that was involved for, for injuring a police officer who was doing nothing but his job on Christmas Day. Is that right? Christmas night. And yep. so— you know, even though in many areas across the country, you have sort of an anti-law enforcement sentiment, you had to be in this trial and you had to be up against that. And that had to be challenging, right? Very challenging. But um, I think one of the goals going in it, and it wasn't very hard with uh, Officer Chapman, is we, the media does does a good job humanizing um, the, the civilian side. And so we had, a, we had to like, humanize the police officers, that they're not just uniforms and badges. These are people that have families that get up, that get away from their families on Christmas time to defend our county to whatever arises, whatever that, that may be. And, and certainly, you know, he when he got out on Christmas Day, he didn't expect what, what terrible tragedy befell him. But what ended up happening to Officer Michael Chapman on Christmas two years ago? Well, he responded to a routine alarm call. Most of the times I would, you know, even in our business, nothing comes of these things. It was that West End roofing, uh, which is, I think we drove by it. If you go up I-45, you see the mini dude storage, the Sitco, there's a garden center. It's right there, right before you get to 1488. And he saw individuals, two trucks, multiple people stealing roofing shingles, which would have been what, a misdemeanor or a trespassing? You know, unless they're made of copper. Isn't copper super expensive <laughs> these days? I right. Mean, you have that. You could steal a penny, and that that could be a felony. You could steal, and I think aluminum counts too. So you yeah. can steal a can of soda, and um, you can get arrested on a felony. So, so but as far as roofing shingles, um, I would say that would be low on my to-do list of things I'd be looking for under the Christmas tree. Right. And you what could, about you, Ben? Oh, I'd I'd love some building material. <laughs> Take that right out to the deer list. Well, that's right. Yeah, but with his camouflage hat. That's right. So, am I on TV as well? 
Oh. Yeah, so yeah. eventually we're going to have to see you without that hat so we can really see if you are on the bald or the haired only, only side for you, of the debate. <laughs> only for you. <laughs> okay, so, um, so... So Chapman, he was um, responding to this call. He sees these individuals. He says, stop police. And one of the trucks, there's two trucks, speeds off with a bed full of shing roofing shingles, pallets of shingles, avoids Officer Chapman's vehicle, Second vehicle, who's our defendant in this case, Michael Douglas Lagos Valladares, um, he actually speeds towards Officer Chapman's vehicle as he's trying to pursue, run towards his vehicle to, to pursue, and ends up um, smashing into his vehicle, uh, and his leg is getting caught in, in the door, and he broke his tibia and fibula, and he was off our streets for a year recovering. So essentially, Officer Michael Chapman is, he's out, he... He's responding to a probably routine call. One, he's probably not even a little bit worried about his safety. He gets out of the car to investigate or his, you, call, you guys call them shops. Right. Um, and he gets stuck between the door and, and plowed over by a car. Yes. And we actually retrieved the crash data retrieval box. It's the black box that's in the uh, vehicles, both Officer Chapman's shop, his car, and the defendant's truck. And um, the defendant, you, it, it'll tell you the percentage of throttle that you're stepping on the gas. He was 100%. So he was pedal to the metal. So he was not making any efforts to take evasive action or slow down or anything like that. Right. And he was going 23 miles an hour during impact on a 90 degree turn with a bed full of roofing shingles in a big truck. So, so what's interesting about this case that, um, is that oftentimes when somebody commits a certain offense, you know, they're caught in the act, it's an easy case, they're identified, you know, based on the fact that he's hit in a in the speed of the moment, you know, this was a circumstantial case for your office. Very much so. So a lot of luck and a lot of hard police work. Um, Officer Chapman never saw what the defendant looked like. It was high speed. It was dark outside. This was, I think, uh, 1.40 in the morning when this uh, collision occurred. Right. And, and essentially, these defendants just assume they wouldn't get caught. This defendant is... Um, Right, exactly. He, they, there's um, evidence that they've done this multiple times be before and had not gotten caught. There's evidence that they got pulled over before and still weren't arrested because we couldn't find a complainant. Was that a situation where they were arrested with Ben Baker's roofing supplies? Uh, they had roofing supplies <laughs> in the same truck with the same VIN maybe number. Maybe they were heading out to the deer lease. Yeah, maybe they were <laughs> heading out to the deer lease. So the defendant had such an impact um, on Officer Chapman's vehicle, it actually caused the vehicle that was parked to go six miles an hour. And um, it caused damage to, to the d defendant's truck. And it, he had to do a U-turn and pull over at Burlington Coat Factory because he couldn't drive anymore. So what's interesting about this case, too, is a lot of uh, prosecutors won't go the extra mile. And I know you tried this case with Rob Frayer, mm -hmm. and we call him Ag Rob. And mm -hmm. he's been on this case. He's been on the show multiple times, and he's always fired up. Um, and... <laughs> And so I'm sure he, he's going to be fired up about this case, sure. too, when, when he comes on. Um, but I can get fired up. No, I, <laughs> you're just not. His alias is Ag Rob. So we, we you have to develop an alias. I'm right the now, cool. I'm the cool headed. No, I'm, I'm the great Santini. You're the great Santini. Yeah. That's right. So um, Vince Verdict. And, and probably since our last show, I think you've had three more children. I have two, but I have like 30 nieces and nephews. Well, I mean, that's so you're you're very Italian in that very. regard. Um, so lucky for Mary, that's your <laughs> wife. Yes. Um, there's going to be lots of other great Santinis yes. running around. So 
I, what I was saying is that it was interesting that not every prosecutor you try a case with is going to, you know, work hard and go the extra mile. And what I thought was really great, not just your arguments and, and how tough you guys worked on this case. I thought it was great that you guys actually brought in the, you brought in the vehicle, you mm -hmm. brought in portions of the vehicle. And that is, it's, it's great lawyering. I'm glad I wasn't a defense attorney um, defending that defendant um, because it was, it was a uh, really great lawyering. And I think it really put the jurors in the, in the seat of, of officer Chapman. Right. We rolled think? in <laughs> Rob and I, we went to go see the uh, evidence in the crime lab uh, with Ralph Horn and, um, Stoney Cook and some of the CSIs with Conroe. And when we saw those doors, they had removed the actual doors from the shop, from Chapman's shop, and they're dented up and they're mangled up and glass is missing. Rob and I look at each other like it's Christmas morning and we're like, oh, we're bringing those in the court. Those doors are coming to court. So we, we, we had a joke like, okay, there's going to come a time and we're going to be like, bring in the doors. <laughs> and, the door, and, and the doors <laughs> came in. And so when it came that time, Rob looked at me like, do it, do it, do it. And I'm just like, no, just get the door. He goes, do it, do it. So I stand up, bring in the doors. <laughs> and three people are carrying these heavy metal doors and glasses sprinkling out through the uh, the well of the courtroom. Well, the nice thing is, is that we know that most trials are really not like Hollywood. But in this case, there were so many sensational things that y'all did and arguments that you made that I think that it it really made the the jury feel like, you know, this is like TV. Mm -hmm. I, the, you got good looking lawyers. You got people working hard. You got lots of objections. You know, Rob always likes to say this isn't the Magna Carta. Um, I don't know if that's a legal objection, but that certainly is Rob's objection a lot of times. Um, so it's it's it was fun to watch, but also, you know, you really were rooting for that officer. He uh, he came across as such a good guy. And he, not only you guys brought this up, not only was he involved in law enforcement and had he dedicated himself um, to working on Christmas Day as a police officer, but he also was in the military. So he had been serving our country the majority of his his adult life, right? right. And yes, and he, he said that he was deployed in 2005, 2006 to Iraq. And he lived in a place called Mortaritaville, where they would get mortared and bombed all the time. It was common occurrence. I can't think of a place I would rather visit less right. than Mortaritaville. I'd, I'd never want to go to Mortaritaville. Um, I think I'd rather go to prison than Mortaritaville. Um, maybe not. Probably but, not. Yeah, probably not. But um, he survived this. He fought for our country. And another crazy thing, which, which what we argued, is the defendant, Michael Douglas Lagos Vidaris, was here illegally. Okay, He's from Honduras. He's MS-13. He, and evidence came out that um, Chapman, when he was on the scene, his legs broke in multiple places. And sticky, the bone is sticking out of his leg, by the way. They called an open butterfly fracture. He sees the defendant's truck reverse. And he's like, oh, my God, he's going to come kill me. So he unholsters his weapon. Later on, the person who picks up Michael Douglas Lagos Vidaris um, says, oh, yeah, he told me he was going to go back and see if the uh, officer was alive. And if he was, he was going to shoot him. And so I thought it was amazing that someone who's here illegally coming to our country with all our great laws and great defense attorneys and, and attorneys tried to kill the very person who defended our country and the rights that he was exercising throughout this process. Right. And I think that was a great point that you and Rob and even the defense attorney continued to make. So, you know, what 
it really was a, a trial of lots of waving of the American flag. You know, it was definitely, you saw um, Vinnie ar would argue, you know, all of the rights that Officer Chapman is fighting for are the rights um, that he is essentially destroying. And, he, and, and the, the defense attorney would argue he has a right to a jury trial, which Officer Chapman, you know, fights for. So he would say he has a right to... to um, to be found guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And what a great country this is that we have these rights. And, you know, so I think it was really smart that everybody focused on, look, we have all these rights because um, it would have been challenging as a defense attorney to, to defend that individual. And to get a lawyer, like I've never tried a case against a Joe, Joe Cripple before. He did a great job. He's a law professor. And so <laughs> he did awesome. So, and, and, um, that was, I, I wasn't aware that he was a law professor, but his arguments were very well reasoned. Um, and, and he brought about the things that, you know, as a juror, you may say, you don't expect to have the best witnesses if you're, if the witnesses are other people that you're committing the crimes with. So he focused on a lot of the specific details about what's permissible, what's not permissible, um, for you to infer, he, he made them follow a specific roadmap where where they had to say, well, if you believe this co-conspirator, you have to do this and, and, and really tried to educate the jurors. Um, but ultimately the jurors did convict, um, right. your client, uh, not your client, the defendant, <laughs> the defendant and his, he has very many names. Well, I felt like he was our, our client too, because we weren't trying to railroad the guy, but, right. but this is what our, you know, we have like hooks and stuff, right? Our hook was a danger to the badge is a danger to everybody because, in punishment, Joe Cripple wanted to focus on the defendant was 18 at the time. He's a, he's an immigrant. He had challenges in his life, whatever. So he even said this is the perspective of a child. Well, we learned about Officer Chapman's child, Malachi, who both of his parents are police officers. And so he had to see his Superman dad laid out on the, on the couch injured and how many nights he fears for his dad and his mom to go out on, on the streets. We also heard that um, every shift... These officers are vastly outnumbered. There's 17 patrol officers in Conroe for the whole entire Conroe city and its um, area. And especially on Christmas, you got to assume they're either understaffed or they're, oh. you know, really right. assuming the worst is not going to happen. Right. And so we heard that there's about 50 calls per patrol officer, 15 of which are victim calls. And so for the year, we figured about there's probably 200 shifts that, that, that he had throughout the year. And we calculated about 3,000 victims missed out on a great guy like Officer Chapman helping them in our community. I mean, he, there's, no, there's no doubt that he's just a solid officer. And the fact that after being off the streets for a year, based on what somebody did, the fact that he went back to work, put the badge on, put the uniform on, you know, has the wife that is still doing, doing the same job is just, like I said, it does make you want to wave the American flag. And, and I'm proud that you um, were a part of that trial. And I know you did a wonderful job. I saw it personally. I was, Thanks. I was excited for you guys. Um, it was a tough case, even though, um, you know, the facts are, are, were bad facts. It was still a tough case. So, Very tough. so, um, it's, it's great to get a victory on a tough case where, you know, you're really helping out the community and, and also somebody that, you know, deserves it. Yes. So I know you're actually in the middle of trial now trial and again. You're wearing your red, white, and blue. So, I mean, yes. you have your another, you have another opportunity <laughs> to represent the American flag. That's right. Um, and I will, We'll visit with Mr. Baker about the facts of that case where you're not in the middle of a trial talking about the facts of that case. But 
But we really appreciate you being here today. And, to be and here. I know that your co-counsel will be here later to also talk about this great case. And, and hopefully we'll have you back soon on Justice is Blonde. I'll be the back. 2018 edition will be blonder than ever. Woo! And hairier than, 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 than ever, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so, hey, so how did you wheel this guy if the police officer couldn't ID him and you have a, a citizen that picks him up off the side of the road? That's awesome. So we had his truck and his VIN number, and there was from Burlington, right? So there's a, a lot of luck. There was an officer that responded to a call at these apartments or hotel, which is right by Burlington, happened to drive by the next night, see the truck there. Um, then... They towed the, the truck to the crime lab. The next day, detectives Ben Mitchell and Eddie Davis went to Burlington to follow up. Has anyone asked about this, this truck? Is there any surveillance video that we can see? When they're in the store, the defendant, his pregnant girlfriend, and two co-defendants were with him in the store while the officers were there. The defendant gets away that day. Two of the co-defendants get arrested, and they say, yeah, I was with, they called him Brian, I think. Um, Brian Lagos. And then from there, we got in contact with the, the girl who picked him up. And we had his GPS location that he sent her. She lives in Houston. She's like, where are you? You're some in the wooded area in the woodlands, which if you, you're not from here, it's confusing. We have a screenshot of him sending a GPS location minutes after the um, offense in this case. And then um, we also have GPS locations where cell phone towers were pinging his cell phone that we recovered off his person, um, we're pinging a half a mile away during the time of this case. But oh. but by no means was it was it a, a slammed on case. But it looks like we need to take a break to hear from our sponsors and all titles uh, and our title sponsors. You're listening to Justice Is Blonde on Lone Star Community Radio. Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app from your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's community radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That's Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. If you are on the computer, bookmark IRLoneStar.com as your internet radio station. A Lone Star Community Radio. Broadcasting 24-7 from the heart of downtown Conroe, Texas. Talking real bad at Mariah Carey, it's no big deal. It's no this is Andrea Polsky. You're listening to, to Justice is Blonde on Lone Star Community Radio. Justice is Blonde is available at Conroe's FM 104.5 and 106.1 and IRLoneStar.com. Worldwide and on the Lone Star Internet Radio app. You can also find us at IRLoneStar.com slash JIB for Justice is Blonde. Now, today, Justice is Blonde and Justice is also Ben Baker, oh. Double B's. He's our special guest, um, seasoned, experienced, awesome defense attorney, also bald. So Justice is also bald, three B's today. So uh, before the break, we were uh, visiting with Mr. Vincenzo Santini, and he was talking. He had to run. Um, he was visiting us without a, a. He was visiting with us about a police officer case where the police officer was run over, and ultimately the person who did that, 18 years old at the time of the offense, got 40 years. So we've had some tough cases like that, you know, where you've had young people get big sentences. Oh, absolutely. 
And listening to you, it sounds like you sat in that trial quite a bit. Is that correct? Yeah, I was I was in and out of the trial just because I was fascinated. And I actually represented one of the co-defendants at some point. What was the defensive theory in there? It wasn't me. Wasn't me. Do it. Wasn't me. Wasn't didn't there. do it. You have the wrong guy. And, and um, in America, you don't convict people unless you're convinced beyond a reasonable doubt. And the state didn't prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. I see. So that's why I, I had mentioned that it was very much an American flag case, just saying you can feel good about finding him not guilty because this is the country that we live in where you're, you know, you're found to be innocent until proven guilty. It sounds like he was, uh, the defense lawyer was promoting uh, very zealously for his client, uh, the defensive theory. He was, and I think he did a great job. And I think all the lawyers did a great job. And so as a defense attorney, it's always easier to try a case against somebody that knows the rules, plays fair. Um, and, you know, obviously you want to win. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> but would you agree with me in, the time that, that you've been here in Montgomery County, you've seen the defense bar get stronger and stronger because I sit in, in trials and I'm just fascinated by the way our local lawyers present the cases. Well, you know, I know that Montgomery County lawyers, I think, are willing to help each other out more than maybe other bigger city lawyers where where it's kind of a network where if somebody needs help, you're happy to help somebody, especially, um, you know, if somebody has a question or a legal question. And, and I do think we have a lot of camaraderie here in this community where we are willing to help each other out. Oh, oh, I agree. And I recall as you were president of the Criminal Defense Bar Association, that that's a, a spree, a spree de corps really grew exponentially. We had outings and events that we did. Um, and it just seems like, uh, hey, I'm in this situation. We can approach our colleagues and say, what do you know about this? Or what can you tell me about? This? Right. So you can, in our, in our job, you can have a difficult prosecutor and you can you know, say, hey, have you all had a similar experience with this prosecutor? Or, hey, what what are the recs currently going for on this type of case? And so I feel like, um, you know, anytime you go to a, another county, it's always good to have local counsel. And I feel like it's I, it's, I feel good being on the inside club of Montgomery County rather than an outsider, don't you? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And as we watch our community grow, uh, it, it's a real good place to be. Well, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but according to the Wall Street Journal, Conroe is the number one growing city in the country as far as, as population. I heard that for the first time last, uh, last week, and I was just stunned by that. Conroe, Conroe, Texas. And you have an office here in the, in the fastest growing city in the country. So. Absolutely, in the heart of the beast, right here on the square. <laughs> And guess right in the heart of IR Lone, in the heart of Lone Star Community Radio and IR Lone Star, Dick Schistler, producer, is bringing it all together. So one of the things that we had visited about that we were going to discuss um, was kind of some legislative changes that had happened recently and just things that have changed since you and I have been defense attorneys. So, um, you know, before we got started, you and I had said, hey, I, you know, you remember when DWIs, nothing was caught on video and now everything is, is on video. Do you think that makes it? Tougher as a defense attorney, easier? What do you think? You know, I don't know. I can remember trying cases where we had absolutely no video or judges just felt that that was such a brand new thing that they weren't going to allow that. They were going to make the jury rely on the art, the officer's interpretation and explanation and his testimony. Uh, I do think that video is a great thing when we're talking about the allegations of criminal conduct because, one, it, it can protect the individual. It can protect the individual from, from law enforcement being overzealous, from being dishonest. It can protect the individual from allegations that they tried something, for instance, tried to, to bribe or cajole in some illegal way the, the, the police officer. 
And on the other hand, despite being a defense attorney, I'm not at war with police. Quite frankly, I'm very grateful for everything that they do for us. I know when I go home today, it's more probable than not that all of my things will be in my home and it'll be intact. And that's law enforcement working for us. We, so I don't have a problem with law enforcement. And I think that, that, that the videos that we're talking about in the cars protect, and the body cameras for that matter, protect law enforcement from allegations of improper conduct, dishonest conduct. Uh, I, I think it, it is the great, the great eye that, that keeps us uh, balanced because there's going to be someone else watching. It could be 12 people on a jury panel doing that. And, and, you know, one of the things about video that has kind of evolved in our in our practice is that, you know, beginning when we were younger lawyers, you would have somebody that, let's say, got pulled over for DWI, and there would, there would be a, there'd be no video at the scene. And so all of the events that allegedly occurred at the scene were the officer's word versus your client. So if your client says, I thought I did great on those tests, and you have an officer saying, no, you, you failed and you did this or you said this, there was no way to verify whose story to believe. And more likely, you know, the jury would would want to believe a police officer in those scenarios. Oh, ab absolutely. And then absolutely. At, some, at some point after that, now there's been a push to have videos in all patrol cars. So when you have a DWI, it's, it's captured from the before it happens. You catch the stop, you catch all the things that happen along the way. Yeah, exactly what you're talking about. When they, when, when, say, for instance, they turn on the emergency lights, it's been passively recording. It may back it up 30 to 90 seconds. So you get driving facts. And what I mean by that is you can see the vehicle in operation. You can see allegations of hit the curb, went into oncoming traffic. And that's really important because, uh, you know, sadly, sometimes when I sit down with clients and we watch the video, and usually I like to watch the video before them so that I know what's coming. I'm not going to be surprised. Sometimes I see them see something that they just remember it so differently, and they'll hang their head and like, I, I, I didn't realize that. I don't remember it like that. And that I didn't remember it like and that. And that's absolutely what I was going to bring up is it's not just a tool that protects the facts as as they occurred, but it's a tool where if your client has a different version of the events, then, then you can just show them, well, your version is not supported by reality or the facts, or maybe you are more impaired than you think you are because this is what actually occurred. Yes. And, and another thing happens too, and it's, it's a physical, physical change that happens or a physiological change. I, I mean to say is that their adrenaline, they, the, the, the red and blue lights up behind them and their heart starts beating the fight or flights kicking in. What do I do? And these are just natural instincts. That adrenaline can affect memory, and it can affect their perception of how they remember those things. And it can be just as simple as that. Not necessarily that they're completely intoxicated, um, but their body is, is, is in a defensive posture at that point, and it can affect memory. Well, one of the things that, that is interesting about this case that the prosecutor who was here earlier is going to try is that it's just another time where um, cameras and and media can affect how something plays out. In this case that this prosecutor is actually trying, there's a young lady that was was in a high-speed police chase and she thought it appropriate to record it on Facebook Live. And Isn't it fascinating? Everybody wants to be a reality star. I mean, you're kind of making me one here today. <laughs> this is reality. <laughs> and I'll tell and you, I, I've been told my whole life I have a face for radio, but you have a camera here, so I don't know. Both. <laughs> you have both radio and television. Well, um... You know, with that, that particular case, uh, I remember reading about it in the paper, and, and that's kind of the source 
that I get about a lot of these uh, notorious cases. And uh, here, here, here she is being chased by law enforcement. It's alleged that she's filming this. She's filming herself and she's narrating an addict. I mean, well, who does that? Well, um, our favorite evading chase of all time was the O.J. Simpson chase. I mean, I, you know, people really, oh. you know, tuned in for that and they and they got excited about, you know, what's he doing? I can't, where's the white Bronco? And so, you know, we have always kind of as a society wanted to watch things like this as they're happening. Usually they're recorded by helicopters. But when now everybody, the day and age of everybody has a camera, you know, this is a situation where um, anybody can can be their own OJ. Um, but, you know, hopefully this young lady will have a similar uh, disposition to OJ's trial, at least his first one, because um, <laughs> I know that. As a defense attorney, you're supposed to root for the defense attorneys, but well, I think it'll be challenging to show how she's not guilty when she evaded for 30 plus miles and, and narrates it and gave a play by play. And I, I would love to be sitting in there and I'm going to go to the courthouse shortly. I'd love to know the defensive theory there. I'm, I'm not sure that there's any effective defensive theory in that scenario. Um, you know, but we'll I, see. I don't know. You know, what if what if uh, what if she had a history with law enforcement where they were abusive afraid, to her? Right. Or, um, you know, what if she's having a psychological episode? a psychological episode or something yeah, along I'd, those lines where I'd, I'd really like to be to, to see what that a is fly on the wall. We'll sit through those arguments because, you you know, what the other thing about when you sit through an argument is you, you can sometimes pick up good um, suggestions for either what to do right in the future or something oh, that you wouldn't do again if, absolutely. as an observer. Absolutely. Um, sometimes when you watch your colleague run into that brick wall, you're like, oh, look at that a little bit differently if that ever on my desk. Well, I know that um, we were excited to talk about a lot of things that had happened this year. And I know that we, we do want to get to some of the political things that have been going on with the hashtag Me Too, um, you know, mentality and, and just even how it has gone um, over into politics now with Roy Moore losing the, the special election in Alabama. I think it's I think it's really relevant and really current. Um, I know it's not along the same topic, but we're kind of trying to do a year in review. So uh, I we do need to take a break to hear from our Our talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out ourlonestar.com sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776 with your questions. Get seen on TV, YouTube, and heard on our podcast, FM, and internet radio. Support your local radio station with Lone Star Community Radio. This is Andrea Kolsky, and you're listening to Justice is Blonde on Lone Star Community Radio. And after being gone too long, we are back and blonder than ever. Maybe not today. Balder. <laughs> Balder and blonder than ever. We're being joined by special guest Benton Baker, local, uh, excellent, skilled, talented defense lawyer in the fastest growing city in the country, Conroe, Texas, is where our home base is. And if you're just joining us, we were 
kind of getting to our year in review. It's it's the end of 2017, so we were recapping on some of the things that had happened earlier this year. Uh, we had talked a little bit about law enforcement sentiment and and some things that had happened here locally, but this year can't be closed without talking about this uh, the the hashtag Me Too movement that began several months ago and has kind of taken on a life of its own. What do you think about that, Mr. Baker? Well, I find it fascinating. And maybe, quite frankly, I think it's been long overdue. Uh, there's, I grew up with sisters, and I've been very protective of them. And, and it, it's bled into the rest of my life. And when you, when you start hearing about how these very unattractive power players in Hollywood or politicians are using their authority to influence and, 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 let's face it, victimize these women. There's something wrong with these guys. And they are, they're the lowest form because what they're doing is they're taking vulnerable people or they're, they're using it in some fiduciary way to affect their career or their lives or their reputation and, and using them. And, and that's wrong. And this discussion needs to happen. Well, you know, what I think is interesting is I think that the, the community or our country has responded when, um, with the recent special election of, of. Uh, Roy Moore in Alabama. So what's interesting about this election is that, you know, this has been a seat that has been traditionally Republic, Republican, historically Republican, you know, vacated by Jeff Sessions. And um, by all intrinsic purposes, they, they expected that seat to remain Republican until the end of time. Um, and what happened is you had some information that that isn't j uh, just of the nature that you're discussing, where you have a, a woman that is an appropriate age that is involved in uh, what may or may not be a consensual consensual interaction, but you have um, what is reported as children who were um, preyed upon. Some children as young as 14 were approached by um, Mr. Moore at the mall and, and or through his religious organizations or when he was a prosecutor. So there's just, there's, there's a pretty disturbing accounts and about what he had done when he was younger. And interestingly enough, he he uh, refused to step down and and even well, today refuses to acknowledge that that he has lost the election. And well, a couple of things about that. I mean, as far as the election goes, it was that close from what I saw in the polling this morning that it, it was. Forty eight point nine to fifty point. One, I mean, it was that tight. So the idea of looking at it and wanting a recount, I can understand that on those close calls. Al Franken, uh, another one of those guys, he won by 312 votes in 2008. Uh, you can remember the uh, Supreme Court battle between Gore and Bush. So as far as recount and not accepting or not conceding, I can get you that. You don't have a problem with I that. I can get yeah. that, yeah. Now, another couple of things about uh, uh, Judge Moore, as he is, uh, these allegations are, are very, very old, and I do find them disturbing because this this man rose to the highest judicial level in the state of Alabama. He was the uh, chief justice of the state Supreme Court, and nobody ever heard any of these kinds of things. What we heard about him was he was a combat veteran. He went to West Point. He sounded very honorable. Uh, he was the, for the for the audience out there, he was the judge who, who said, you're not taking the, the Ten Commandments off of the courthouse steps That's in Alabama, right. period, That's the right. end. You know, and 
you know, basically the marshals had to come down and say, hey, listen, uh, that's not how this works. He also was telling clerks, don't issue licenses, licenses. for gay, gay marriage. He felt very passionate about yeah. that. But nobody's coming out with these allegations. And now I think the worst thing you can call somebody is child molester. And there, there's some weird stuff about Alabama. I believe, and I, I may be wrong, and maybe, I don't know if the callers, you get callers in here, somebody might straighten me out on this, but is it 14 the age of consent? So Which is ridiculously low, in my opinion. I, I know that whatever the age of consent is, it is ridiculously low from a um, nationwide standard. I, I know in Texas it's 17, so yeah. that's that's a, it's in the higher range um, of, of uh, ages of consent versus some other states. Um, but I will say, I know that Alabama is, if it's not 14, it's 15. So it, it's, 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 it's definitely lower, lower than here is my understanding. Sure. And it might even be 14. And then you hear this guy, this judge is denied, you know, knowing right. a lot of these women and right. across the board, but he said something real interesting in an interview and maybe he wants to walk it back, but he said, well, I'd always talk to their mother and get their permission. Come on. At 33, what am I going to talk to or what's he going to talk to a 14-year-old about? Right. He's That's not, silly. He's, he's going to talk to her about um, her Instagram account or what, you know, whatever other things 14-year-olds are into. I don't know. She, back then, what was it, Barbie? I, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, now it, it is it is going to be something social media relevant. I feel uh, like, um, you know, teenagers know more about the social media outlets, internet, than than a lot of grown-ups do. Well, and they're more savvy in it, too. Fast. That's right. There's a lot of things out there that young clients of mine uh, are exposed to, and it, and, it, and it grows them up. I don't even know if it grows them up, if it grows them up is the right term. It exposes it, them. Thank you. It, it exposes them to a, a, just a different category of things than. Childhood's so much different than when I went through it. It was, you could encapsulate it. You could close the world off to some of the more brutal or nasty things. Well, and so the interesting thing about the um, Me Too movement is as a defense attorney, it's easy to be naturally skeptical about these people that come forward because, you know, oftentimes in our jobs, you have complainants or alleged victims that come forward and they say something and there's a motive for them to come up with a, a story. And so, you know, at least in regards to, to Judge Moore, you know, this could have been motivated by a desire to have that seat. Um, not remain red. Um, and, and who knows? I mean, Absolutely. it's, it's, there's, a, there's following that movement, you know, even as early as yesterday, there's people coming out trying to say, judge, or excuse me, president Trump kissed me and I didn't want him to. And, and, you know, frankly, that doesn't rise to the level of an, a criminal offense, but with this mentality and movement, you have a lot of women who feel empowered to think of any moment in their life where they feel like something wasn't exactly as they remember it to be, um, that that is something that they need to share. And I don't necessarily agree with that mentality where um, everything is a crime or everything needs to be reported. Um, you know, if, if, it's, if it just happens in the normal course of a dating relationship. What, what I worry about is with the Me Too movement is that mere allegations now become fact. Yeah, and that's probably and that's what disturbing. happened with, with Mr. Moore or yes. Judge Moore was that, um, you know, it probably how he dealt with it and some of his other positions that were so far afield from how most of the country thinks, it was easy to focus on, on the issues where he could be a child molester, so therefore he's got to go. Um, 
and and, and then he's and afforded no kind of process whatsoever, and, bar due process. And I wouldn't have nothing. voted for him. I mean, I certain I don't agree with his policies um, in, on a lot of issues, and uh, but at the same time, nothing is has been um, proved factually. I mean, certainly if if this fourteen year old was a victim in, in Texas, the statute of limitations would not have expired. No, he could still not. prosecute um, him for that. So. It'll be interesting to see if any of this actually materializes after the election is all summed up. But we do need to take a break again. I know it, it seems like it's going so fast because I'm having so much fun. Ben. I I'm really, having a great time here today. <laughs> uh, but we do need to take a break to hear from our sponsors. We are here Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on Conroe's FM 104.5 and 106.1 and IRLoneStar.com worldwide and on the Lone Star Internet Radio app. A Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's radio station with talk, music, weather, and traffic for Montgomery County. Have a question or comment about one of our shows? Want to know how to reach a host? Just contact the station at IRLoneStar.com or call in and leave a message at 936 647 3776. Get involved with your community with Lone Star Community Radio. Now we're talking astrology, getting our nails did all Japanese. Day drinking at the Wildcat, sucking real bad at Mariah Karaoke. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. This is no big deal. This is how we do. This is Andrea Kolsky, and you're listening to Justice is Blonde on Lone Star Community Radio. And you're joined today after a, it's been a long time that the blonde has been gone. Still blonde while gone, but back in blonde. Um, and happy to be back and excited to be joined by special guest, local defense attorney, um, very well-respected, very talented, Benton Baker. Thank you for having me. Great to have you. And so before the break, we were visiting a little bit about the hashtag me too movement. And it, you know, it's not just national news, although it has gone up as far as, as our president, but even here locally, we have a little bit of a scandal. Yeah, we do. Uh, we have a, a justice JP Metz. He's out in the east, Eastern portion of our County. And we just found out that, uh, this County settled very quietly for $45,000, a claim of sexual harassment and retaliation. And it was a claim against uh, an employee who had, had worked over at his office. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Apparently, she was uh, the court coordinator for JP4. And the allegation goes that there were some unwanted uh, advances that the judge uh, offered to give her spending money. He wanted to take her out. He wanted to, he wanted to date her. And she had said no. Apparently, she'd been in a job as a court coordinator since 1991, starting in, uh, I believe it was JP1, and then moving to, to JP4. And she she worked there, and when she turned him turned the judge down, she was isolated out of meetings. Her her job duties were were changed a little bit, and then abruptly she was eventually fired. So essentially, it was a situation where she was discriminated against. 
based on the fact that she would not engage in this relationship, which which is exactly what, you know, this Hollywood movement, which was started, um, oh, is is designed to prevent. Is look, don't discriminate with me because I don't want to be in a relationship with you. Absolutely, and and when you have power over somebody, uh, and here we have an employee for a public figure, no less, and you have that kind of power, and and, and you rebuff that and say, no, I, I, listen, I don't want to date you, I, I don't want to go out with you, and I don't want your money. And all of a sudden, you're not you're not brought into meetings that you're supposed to be part of. Now all of a sudden, your do- your job is curtailed, and then something happens and you're fired, and then you go fast forward it. And the county settles, makes a cash payment. Come on. So what we're seeing. Why, why isn't there more transparency on that here in our community? Well, why do we just find this out? And I think what's interesting is that, you know, at a small scale, we're, we don't have the celebrities that are going to come forward and say, I didn't get this job because of this. I didn't get this job because of this. I mean, we have we're celebrities because we're on this show today. So that you know, uh, we're, we're absolutely local celebrities yeah. um, with a wink. Um, but, but, uh, you know, realistically, you are a rock star in the courthouse, Andrea. I know that firsthand. Well, th- I appreciate that very much. And likewise, you're also rocking. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, but you know, realistically, you don't have these people that people are that interested in what's going on. You know, uh, judge Metz is not M- Matt Lauer or he's not president Trump. So it's, oh, absolutely. So, so probably is- whenever this all happened, it was just, you know, hush, hush, moving on. So here we go. Hashtag me too. breathe some life into this kind of stuff, because this is important. And this is how we know our public figures. Now, if we've right. got our county attorney settling these kinds of cases real quietly and saying, as and I quote, it's a business decision. Hey, you know, why isn't this brought out? Why does it take an election? Right. For these Us things taxpayers to are having to pay for this business decision. Oh, that so, on top of everything. Of so, um, you know, <laughs> as far as if 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 it's a business decision that you want to stroke somebody a check for forty five thousand you know, and someone's reputation is at stake, you know, as, as Judge Metz, you may say, well, no, I, w- I don't want to give her any money. That's not true if, if right. that was the case. Right. So, you know, as far as from our jobs as people that are defending folks that are charged with crimes, in this movement, more often than not, though, there's not anything that has actually arisen to the level of a crime. No, it didn't sound like that this was criminal conduct. Right. Uh, and so that's deplorable conduct, deplorable conduct. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, as a, a parent to young kids, it's it's tough to tell boys, you know, if you're if you have a girlfriend, what you know, where you need to draw the line as far as do you need to get something in writing before you engage in any conduct? I mean, it can be it can be challenging. You know, it can. And I, I, you know, I, I was raised by one of the true great gentlemen's in our community. My, my father, Dr. Baker, he raised me and he raised me to be a gentleman and having two, two younger sisters, you know, those gentlemanly qualities. I knew who I did not want near my sisters. And right. I, I was like a pit bull guarding them. And Still so, am. so basically as a community, we need to be the pit bulls that guard the members of the community and, and have a zero tolerance for for this type of behavior, if it if it's true, of uh, and, course, and, 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 and indeed, you know, and there is a process involved in all of this. Now, it sounds like this process was activated involving Judge Metz, and it it culminated with a forty five thousand dollar payout, which I think demonstrates the behavior of a reprobate, and also demonstrates that. Um, it was validated at least monetarily, whether it was ever validated Absolutely. based on testimony, whether the, it was a confidential settlement or the details of that are, mm-hmm. are 
you know, beyond the scope of the show, ultimately. Well, these confidential settlements, you know, it's it's hush money. You see that in Hollywood, with these Harvey Weinstein, you, you know, the, the abuse that he perpetrated on people, confidential settlement. Do they want to give up all of that money? No. Hey, how about some of these accusers say, go ahead and waive that confidentiality agreement and let's get it all truthfully out there. And maybe, maybe what we could do is with Judge Metz here in our community, he could say if there is a confidentiality clause to that, hey, please give it up and let's hash it out now because I'm running for a higher office. It's going to require greater trust. Well, you know, what's interesting, though, is that most of the perpetrators in these scenarios are men. But, you know, there has women are, are equals and there's lots of women in leadership. So I'll be curious um, when the first man comes out and says that he was also victimized by his female boss or forced to do something that he didn't do, because I certainly think that that's something that's coming. And and I, I, I do see that coming. Uh, and I, I can imagine some circumstances where that would where that would happen. And, and, you know, I certainly think that that's sort of, and this is obviously good as a, as a woman, but I think that there will be more of a push to have women either in leadership roles or overseeing certain aspects where um, they've been traditionally male positions just to make sure there's some, some balances and checks um, to prevent, you know, this behavior happening. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, it has been um, a long time since we've done Justice is Blonde, and, and I may be a little rusty, but I'm super excited to be back, and I'm super excited that you're one of the first guests on Justice is Blonde, and, and it was great talking about these these topics. If you want to tune in to Justice is Blonde, we're available on Lone Star Community Radio. That's Justice is Blonde at IRLoneStar.com slash Justice is Blonde. We're on Wednesdays at 2 p.m., you can contact me at Andrea at nonstopjustice.com with all your burning questions or things you want us to discuss at future episodes. And we're also available on Conroe's FM 104.5 and 106.1 and IRLoneStar.com worldwide and on the Lone Star Internet Radio app. It's no big deal. It's no 